0: Welcome back to our Philippians podcast. This is the final session on Philippians. We have finally made it to chapter four um, in our joyful living series. And with chapter four, this is kind of the climax where Paul reaches the end of a more doctrinally oriented section in the letter. Uh, in What Remains, he writes more on a practical and personal level, and we're going to see that uh, in this chapter. Um, there, there is this repeated stress on the need for unity between believers and in the congregation. They are encouraged to put their confidence in the Lord, and if they rejoice or exalt in anything, to do so in Him. And they can be confident that When they pray to him, God will provide for all their needs. They will be kept free from anxiety as the peace of God reigns in their lives. And so in chapter 4, Paul writes this, starting in verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with you, Odia." And I plead with Synthicae to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let the gentleness be evident to all. if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whether you have learned or received or heard from me or seen me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at the last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned and you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever circumstances I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it ha- what it is like to be have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength yet. It was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from uh, Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from um, Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering and an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet people. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All of God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Wow, what a powerful way to conclude such an elegantly written letter that Paul has written to the church at Philippi, to the believers that we know as the Philippians. And so the big idea that I have for you in closing out this series, this Joyful Living series, is exactly what Paul writes in Philippians 4.13. And many of us are familiar with this with this passage, um, but I really like the way that the Living Bible writes it. So the big idea is this. I can do everything God asked me to do with the help of Christ who gives me the strength and the power to do it. And so when we look at the different um, three different areas of Philippians 4.13, it starts off and says, I can do all things. One thing we need in order to keep this passage Christ glorifying and not self-promoting is a contextual lens. We've seen the uh, the, the receiver at a football game uh, kneel down after a touchdown in the end zone and, and point up to the heavens and, and proudly claim, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Yeah, God has given us the abilities to do certain things and everything, and we want to honor Him and give Him thanks for those. But this passage is not concerned with athleticism. This passage is not concerned with what we do the actions that, uh, that seem to be so great among us, the, the actions that may win us an Oscar or an Emmy or get us an A on the test or help us to throw the game-winning touchdown. Well, one thing we need, though, like I said, is this contextual lens so that we can keep it focused on Christ and not the things that we have done. So in verse 12, Paul eloquently describes what it means for him to have learned contentment In every situation. Let me read it one more time. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So the key, the key is the right attitude. You must have faith in the abilities God has given you. That's how you have the right attitude, by having the faith in the abilities that God has given you. In Joshua 14, 12, we see this perfect example of this right attitude, of having the faith in the abilities that God has given us. And so he writes, Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there, and their city was large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. And so right there at the end, he remembers exactly what the Lord has said. And he claims, the Lord's going to help me. And so when we, when we read this verse, this Philippians 4.13, oftentimes the subject just sticks out and makes us feel great. And the subject of that is, I can do all things. And so we focus on ourselves. We put ourselves as the subject matter, and many times you'll see this same example with prosperity gospel preachers. When you have a prosperity gospel lens, you'll see um, people with the idea that says, "I gave money, look how God blessed me," uh, or, or quite the opposite. You'll hear you'll hear people say, "I don't have money to give, so that's why I'm suffering." See, when we put ourselves as the subject of being able to do things then we miss the mark. A biblical lens on the other hand is going to say I gave my all. Look how God is building his kingdom and transforming lives. And so as we as we draw this to an end, I want to give you six different areas that we can put the the work of this this letter that Paul has written to the Philippians, how we can put Philippians to work and keeping the joy in our lives. So number one, one, the first thing I want you to remember is that we need to surrender our mind to the Lord at the beginning of each day. Before your feet hit the floor, it is important that you enter the day in prayer, giving it all to the Lord, letting, he, letting Him be at the command, at the, at the stern, at the steering wheel of your life. Number two, we need to let the Holy Spirit renew our mind through the Word. And let me tell you this, if you're not in the Word every day, your mind is going to be somewhere else. So as we are in the Word and we are studying the Bible, we know what God's message to us is, and we do not have a doubt as to what is right and what is wrong. We know what's right and what's wrong because the Holy Spirit is going to renew our mind and give us the power that we need to keep on keeping on and to make the right decisions and keep Satan at bay. Number three, as you pray, ask God to give you that day a single mind, a submissive mind, a spiritual mind, and a secure mind. What do we mean by that? Every time you pray, when you start your day, you ask God to give you a single mind. God, make my mind that that you need it to be, the mind like Christ. Okay, so it's the single mind, a submissive mind. God, I submit to you. Help my mind to submit to you. Help me to focus on you. Uh, and then we pray for a spiritual mind. Don't let the things of this world distract me but help me to focus on your word and what it says I am. Paul wrote about this in Romans 12, uh, verse 1 and 2. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we pray for a, a single mind, a submissive mind, a spiritual mind. And lastly, we pray for a secure mind. Keep Satan at bay, God. Don't let him stir up doubts and insecurities in my mind. Help, help me to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your word is true just like it says it is. And so number four, during the day, mind your mind. Mind your mind. If you find yourself losing your inner peace, if you find yourself losing your joy, stop and take inventory. Ask yourselves these three questions. Do I have the single mind? Did I just miss an opportunity to glorify Christ? Or was I a bit pushy so I lost the submissive mind? So during the day, mind your mind. That that means be understanding of where your mind is and that it's not just wandering um, uh, against things that may not be of God. Number five, guard the gates of your mind. Remember Paul's admonition that we read earlier in chapter 4, verse 8. He says, Whatever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good rapport, think on these things. So guard the gates of your mind. Think of the things that are true. Think of the things that are honest, just, pure, lovely, of good rapport. Think of these things. So often, our minds are led away to be negative and to to harp on the negative. I'm going to choose the positive. I'm going to guard the gates of my mind, and I'm going to think of the blessings that God has given me, the wonderful things that He is doing in this church, and I'm going to block out all of the negative so that I can give Him the praise that He wants, and I'm going to guard the gates of my mind because when I'm focused on Him— my gates are closed and nothing else has the tendency to sneak in and and get into my mind that ought not be there. Number six, joyful living. We want to remember that our joy is not meant to be a selfish thing. This is God's way. Your joy, your joy that you have as a believer is God's way of glorifying Jesus and helping others through you. So, Matthew 5.14 says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your joy shine. Let people see that you have this something different about you than most people. And when they ask you, what what's different about you? Then you can give glory and honor to God and glorify Jesus and, and, and help others through that joy. I love the acrostic, J-O-Y. And this is how we should focus uh, each and every day of our life. Our priorities should be in this order, J-O-Y. J is for Jesus. Number one priority, Jesus, focusing on him, submitting to him, loving him. And the second is is others. We are serving others and helping others and sharing the gospel with others so that they may know who Jesus is and that he loves them and has a great plan for their lives. And then the third one, Y, is for yourself. Never forget about yourself. Stay in the word. Grow. Make disciples. And then you will be able to continue in the joy that the Lord has for you. So friends, my encouragement to you as we close out this series on Philippians um, is to ask, are you living the joyful life? The joyful life that Christ died and paid for? If not... Put your faith and trust in Him. Let Him transform your life and give you the joy and the help that you need in order to live the most abundant, beautiful life that brings glory and honor to Him. Well, thank you, and we'll see you next week.